Welcome back to Shoot Me Straight uh, with Eddie Gallagher and Dave Fields. And Dave is not here. He is still on his uh, hellacious Disney cruise with the uh, fam. I can only imagine what he's going through right now, but he should be back with us next week. So uh, keep Dave and his wife in our thoughts and prayers (laughs) and hopefully he survives that uh, Disney cruise. He's a better man than I am for uh, attempting to go on that. But today we have... uh, Gnarly Harley, uh, Harley, and to pronounce your last name so I don't mess it up. Van Heining. Van Heining, that's mm-hmm. right. Okay. Harley Van Heining with us today. He is a local uh, to the Destin area. I think uh, we met, I want to say, like four or five years ago for the first time. 2020. Was it 2020? Blue Champs. Yeah. yeah. When uh, we brought that, it's uh, like that 500 and something pound Blue Marlin in. Yeah. And uh, that's when I saw you sort of go to work for the first time uh, with, with what you do. It's a... Uh, do canvas, uh, or what do you, what would you say? Call the, it the uh, art form of gyutaku. What so, is it? Uh, gyutaku. Gyutaku. All which right. Is fish rub, fish print. Okay, and we'll get into that. Yeah, and have you sort of describe how you got into that? But I did watch it, and I was like, dude, that was pretty amazing. Awesome. Uh, and it came Thanks, out eh? outstanding. I saw the finished product. Um, but then, well, you know, I've ran into you a handful of times here yeah. and there. Um, you always been just super chill and super cool every time we've met and just always in a good mood. And I was actually, uh, with, uh, my buddy Scott Brown, uh, a couple of weeks ago and you came up cause he said he was talking to you. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, we were talking about how awesome you are and just set the, the good energy and vibes you bring everywhere. Awesome. And I was like, dude, yeah, we need to have him on the podcast for sure. So I appreciate you taking the time to come down here and uh, have a conversation. Absolutely, Eddie. Uh, honored to be uh, be on your podcast and be your guest, and um, yeah, excited to share. Because I remember um, sitting with Scott and having a conversation, and just kind of talking about um, basically kind of a conversation was sort of about uh, creating things, um, your life, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and sort of um, where what you focus on and where your mindsets on all reflects, and uh, you know. In, uh, in the physical, so it's, uh, which we kind of touched on it right before we came in, but we were saved for the podcast, but uh, I guess you call it manifesting or just um, being able to visualize and create whatever life that you want, because basically, you know, it's free will, yep. and so whatever you choose, and also how you live and all that, and how you, how you are on the inside ultimately reflects in your, you know, physical world, what's, you know, in front of you, so... Yeah, so pretty much if you focus on the positive or try to keep a positive mindset, you'll attract positive things in your life. Is that, right. Is that sort of? Yeah, that, um, but it's it's also kind of, um, I guess, an example I would say is sort of like what I was telling Scott kind of with how, with the art life and how that's evolved with myself. Um, and... And it's kind of one of those things where, I guess, in the world that we live in, you know, with, like, jobs and careers and things like that, and people get pulled away from what you say is your truth. And what is it you truly, like, the, 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 the shoes in which you really want to walk in. And I think a lot of people, it takes courage to do that because you have this desire, oh, I'm going to be, um, do this for a living, or this is what my, my passion is, what I love. And due to maybe lifestyles or if you're in a certain career field and you just discover like, oh, you know, this is what I love and what I really want to do. But then it's like, oh, I got bills to pay. I've got these obligations and things like that. 
and people, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, fear and, uh, it's mm-hmm. discouraging to take that leap of faith. And the thing is, is that when you do that and you let go and release the fear, um, worrying about the future because the future is not relevant because it's not here. It's in the present and what you do now and the choices that you make that determine your, your future. So it's kind of like if you live in the past, it's not relevant because that's living in attachment. But then if you live in the future, then you're living in fear, though it is to good to gauge where you're going in your path. But then if you go too far and worry too much about the future, then it's, it's not really relevant. And you're not living in the present, which is the most important time in your yeah. life and where to be. Where do you think that fear comes from? Because I'm sure, you know, when I remember, you know, growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. you're, you know, world's your oyster. You're like, you can, you know, when you're little, you're like, oh, I want to be this. I want to be an astronaut. I want to do all these things. And I remember, you know, growing up and teachers like, you can be whatever you want to be, right? And, you know. Do you want to be the president, an astronaut, this or that? Um, but then as you get older, um, you know, especially later on in your high school years, and then you're sort of done with high school, maybe you go to college, but then you are set free into the real world on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there are people that get stuck doing things that they never set out to do or like be from when they were little, like their little childhood dreams or what they actually wanted to do. They get stuck like, okay, well, I have, like you said, I have to provide, I have to do, you know, get a degree. I have to do this, 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 and that. Um, and they continue on with that life until like, that's why I think, uh, a lot of the times that, you know, they have these, uh, especially men, the midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're like, dude, this is not what I wanted. And, I can't believe I'm 40 years old and I've been doing this job, which I don't like, or it's not my dream. Um, I think that happens more often than not. Mm -hmm. And where do you think that fear comes from to drive those people to do things that they really don't want to do? I think a lot of of how that develops or comes into play with people or just how, where it's originally starts from is early on. Um, You're led to believe that you have to have, a certain life, which is like kids are married by in your mid twenties or late twenties. And you know, if you're not that, there's something wrong with you or you have to know who you are and figure out your path at 18 or 19 going into college, what you want to do. It's like, you don't even know who you are. Yeah. Your brain's not even fully developed yet. Right. You're, you're still figuring out, you're still learning. I mean, you're still so young and, and just experienceless in life and so much to, you know, so I think there's a lot of pressure, or not really pressure, but I'd say that's put in put in place early on, so people are forced. So it's not natural; they're forced to make decisions and choose things, normally based on other people's guidance and not their own intuition. Yes, and that leads them off of their path that they're meant for, however God wants them to do and be. But then I also believe that synchronicities as you call it different things people come into play and more of those things will come into play it's kind of going back to uh what i was kind of saying before with like your truth the more you align with your truth then more the things that are meant for you align for you and people will come out of places that you can't even imagine or believe 
to help you when you make that commitment into following what your compass is, your intuition, your heart, which is my how I understand and have experienced it. That's your connection to source, God. And um, the more connected and aware of you are with that and the little voice that says, turn left, turn right. And um, no, this is not for me. And that uh, ultimately guides you to just what is like a magical life. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's wild, man. I've experienced some stuff where I'm just like, dude, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so where did, so where did you start off from? Like where, where were you born? So I was originally born at Eglin Air Force Base. Okay. So you're a military brat? Military. Um, I didn't move around. So my, my, uh, father, he was originally from Kansas and, uh, my mother was, uh, born and raised in London. So he met her there. They moved here. And then I was born and raised at, um, or, or born at Eglin and then grew up here in the area and was raised. So, um, you know, my, my parents didn't move away and my, well, my parents, uh, had divorced when I was, I think around like one, two, two years old. Mm -hmm. And so my mother and I had stayed here. My dad still lived here. Um, so I've grown up here in the area. Um, yeah, been, I've always lived here. Your whole life. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's one of those towns where in high school it was, everyone's like, oh, you got to move, you know, don't, there's, there's nothing here. You got to move away. And now it's funny because everyone's trying to find a way <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. Everybody, not just, yeah, everybody's trying to move here. Right. Um, I mean, this place is a bubble for sure. And it's, yeah, we moved here five years ago, maybe six. I, I lose track of time, but yeah, it's, I can't imagine moving anywhere else. I'm like, this is where I want to stay. I don't have any plans to, to move. Um, but I guess I can see, you know, if you grow up here, if you're born here, because obviously my kids um, are now, they spent a good majority of their their uh, teenage years here. Um, my youngest is now starting high school, so he's mm -hmm. been here um, since sixth, fifth or sixth grade. But <clears throat> a lot of them, a lot of their friends are like not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, no, we're staying here. But I think at least with my daughter, and my son, who just joined the Marine Corps, so he's off uh, serving right now. But they they sort of have that itch, too, where they're like, I want to go somewhere else. And I do push that. I'm like, mm -hmm. good, you should. Go experience what you can experience and get a, get get the most out of life. And you should travel around a little bit. I mean, that's, that's what I did. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you have to understand where we live is, is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Like, this place is a blessing. Um, it, it was a huge one on our family, uh, but just the people here, everybody here is like-minded. Um, there's, they're good people, like very neighborly. Um, I mean, I haven't, the people that I've met here, uh, compared to where I've lived, um, and I've lived all over the world are, these are some of the friendliest, um, most spiritual and also just, um, they're patriots. They love mm -hmm. this country, um, and I couldn't imagine being around anybody anywhere else or being around anybody else. Um, it's been it's been good. Yeah, as I say, there's a lot of three a.m. friends. If you ever need something, you broke down. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, what's up? I need some help. All right, I'll be right there. Where you at? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Good. <laughs> there's a, there's just a lot good of neighbors. Good, solid people. Yeah. Absolutely. So. <clears throat> You, so you grew up here. What, what high school did you go to? So I went to Fort Walton Beach High School. Okay. So I did all the schools here, uh, Marius Elementary, Bruner Middle School, Fort Walton Beach High School. Uh, did college here. Went to um, what was Pensacola Junior College at the time. 
I got my two-year degree there, and then, uh, and then I got my bachelor's in PR marketing um, at the University of West Florida in Pensacola. And um, attempted to move away after college uh, for a marketing job in San Diego. Um, wanted to move somewhere there's waves for surfing. And then I was doing a podcast at that time uh, when I was in college. I was kind of involved with several different things, which kind of led me into where I am now because my dad was kind of in encouraging like, oh, you know, um, you've got your degree, you know, quit bartending, working at the bar, and because I was doing that as my income, but then, you know, doing this, the podcast that was for tourism and travel, and then some other things, and uh, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go work corporate, and I had met people that worked in New York City in the corporate world, and like, oh, it's soul-sucking, and it just wasn't, I'm stubborn in the fact that if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and I are very similar in that, that manner, not doing for sure. It. Yeah. And I will say, nope, and I will go out the door kicking and screaming before I'm, you know, I'm just not going to do it. And um, I just, uh, I don't know, I just was stuck to my guns with doing my own thing and my own path, which um, ultimately led me to where I'm at now, which, you know, I look back at that that path, and I'm like, gosh, I had to move there, or, you know, the, the trajectory in life and everything would have been so different. And I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Yeah. So for that, uh, so you, you started that podcast. When was that? In like 2006? 2006. So that was before podcasts were really like big or a thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you said it was on tourism and travel? Yes, it was uh, for tourism and travel to, our, um, to the area. So it was called destinfloridapodcast.com. So would you interview people that were vacationing here or like how, how what, what was the premise? So, I mostly discussed like events, news that was relative to the area. And then I'd give for growing up here, I would give my local input and knowledge on um, certain things. For example, if there was something unique or uh, that was washing up on the beach or people were having a big fit about the June grass and like, well, that's something that happens annually every year. The water temperatures, (laughs) that's nature. It's (laughs) natural. Yeah. Um, so I'd always give like local input or knowledge, or if there's festivals, I'd be like, hey, you know, locals probably wouldn't like it, but like this is where you want to park because the parking's always an issue. But this is where I go, so I'd give people the real deal scoop. I wouldn't sugarcoat things. I'd say, no, this isn't. Yeah, I'd just tell it, tell the truth of the beach, but also share the lifestyle of the beach for people that were um, not only locals but visitors that kept up with the area or had second homes here yeah and i would feature local music at the end of each show and so they were like 15 to 20 minutes long twice a month and um but it was fun yeah, that's was awesome a lot of journalism work so i'd cover from panama city to pensacola and um you know with events and go to events and i would interview locals of um interest or that were relevant to whatever i was talking about um like a friend of mine harry madison and uh, a guy named Lance Moss that runs a surf camp in Nicaragua called Safari Charters. Um, the first year, the paddle paddleboard division they had in the fishing rodeo in Destin, um, they went out on paddleboards to go shark fishing off the sea buoy off the pass. Anyway, uh, so they were shark fishing off paddleboards. Shark fishing off paddleboards. Hmm. Had two chum <laughs> chum blocks they dropped into the and uh, you know to chum up sharks from how, whatever they could get. And literally brought in what Harry said, every shark within a two-mile radius, some bigger than their paddle boards. There was one that popped up um, that he went down to his knees because he's like, Lance, 
dude, look at this shark. <laughs> and then uh, I guess Lance threw out a big live bait and a sailfish grabbed this live bait. And when it started jumping out of the water, they both freaked out. And it dragged them out six miles. But the rules of the paddleboard division was you have to paddle back and drop it off at the dock at AJ's. You can't be helped. And so anyway, after being dragged out six miles, I got on the board. Um, we're able to I call a brother or a relative that was like, yes, it's a legal fish. Bring it in. And so word got out. So when they got back to the docks at the at AJ's, there was just a huge crowd there and just you know, just an amazing story of yeah going out shark fishing and <laughs> catching a sailfish and then, you know, being able to paddle it all the way back in just in time to, to get it weighed in. Dude, that's pretty crazy. Yes. So, yeah, I, I had interviewed him about that story, and, you know, he's like, yeah, man, we were paddling back in. There was, like, sharks next to us because we didn't have the, the fish contained. It was a strap on the front of the board. Oh, dang. So, there, so the blood yeah. and everything. And he's like, we had boats, you know, helping us, watching us, but by the time we got back, it's like, was so worn out. It's like, gosh, I can only imagine. But epic story. That is, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much a, you're chum yourself. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of sharks. Well, yeah, I think that's here. what people don't know. Like this area, this it's the beaches here are definitely shark infested. Oh yeah, um, but it doesn't stop people from going in the water. I mean, yeah. it's it's just part of Florida, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. When I first moved here. Uh, we were out at the beach and, you know, the kids were all in the water and I'm looking like 15 feet down and, or 15 feet, you know, down the shore. And, uh, there was kids fishing right off the shore, pulling in, you know, hammerheads mm. right there. You're like, Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> What's crazy is when I was growing up, we used to go to Navarre beach, um, where the national seashore is. So just past where the last houses are on Navarre beach, uh, between Pensacola and Navarre. And growing up, we'd go out and go pompano fishing because my dad loved pomp or surf fishing and pompano in particular because he loved cooking and eating, loved cooking and eating it. So um, we'd always, you know, be on the beach fishing every weekend and never used to see sharks. I remember one afternoon seeing what looked like a couple spinner sharks cruising through. Um, that was kind of the only time growing up I ever saw sharks. Now the shark population has exploded, um, but that was. I think a part, a big thing to that was I think the, at the time they were doing the netting off the beach. So when they put in the net band, then over time, those populations came back. And now we've got like a giant, or not a giant, but a big congregation of tiger sharks that are showing up at the Oakloose Island Pier in Fort Walton. Mm -hmm. I've never seen anything like that. And that's been happening now for three years. This past year, there's something like close to 20 tiger sharks, the biggest um, estimated being like 14 feet plus. Yeah. I mean, those tiger sharks are beasts. Yeah. And they're, and they're aggressive. Yeah. They're not definitely shark. Like I'll surfing, you know, if I see a, a tiger shark, it's, um, uh, well, <laughs> I haven't seen one yet in the water. I'm sure there's been, been around and, you know, you, you, there's, I'm sure there's so many sharks that have been around. That I didn't see that were just beyond me or out in deeper water, but, um, it's definitely a, a shark that, Makes me nervous because they're yeah one you want to keep your eye on for yeah. sure. It's not like if you're out there you see like a nurse shark or a mm -hmm. lemon shark you're like oh whatever you know. But a tiger shark or like a bull shark because I know we have bull sharks as well oh, yeah. in the bay, and those are super territorial. Um, you know, and they'll 
We got great whites, too. They caught one recently, I think, a few days ago off of Pensacola Beach. Uh, these guys that do a lot of shark fishing over there. Yeah. Um, brought in what was estimated a 1,200-pound um, great white. I think it was 12 feet <laughs> in length. And, um, I mean, that was off the beach. But that's that's happened before. And also, we get some big makos that come moving through around, usually around February, March. And I think they, they show up ahead of the fish migration that's in the spring with like cobias and all the other fish that are moving uh, to go west. And um, there's been some giant makos that cruise right off the beach, which is, uh, I, yeah, don't want to have an encounter with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really selling it here. We're like, yeah, come, like, on yeah down, come on down. Those shark-infested waters. You know, I mean, they, you know, they're out there. But also, we, it's, it's part of nature. I mean, I grew up. My dad was a huge scuba diver. Uh, I grew up scuba diving my whole childhood, and then we'd go. That's we'd awesome. actually go on shark dives. Like we'd go um, on the eastern shore of Florida, West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. We'd go down there and go on these shark dives where we went out and go underwater, and then they would chum the water. They have like a you know a basket full of chum and sink it down there with us. And yeah, we'd have you know forty to fifty sharks just swimming around us, and I mean I think at I'm glad that we did that growing up because it just it's give you a more realistic perspective. Like sharks aren't out there looking to like go after humans. They're mm-hmm. animals just like every other animal. They're I mean, they're gonna eat, but in reality they're just as scared as you of, of you as you are of it. Right. You know, they'll they'll swim away. But at at the end of the day you get sharks like Mako's, great whites, who are especially the great white, which is the ultimate predator of the sea. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, man, it's it's looking for food, and you're you're on the menu, you know. Um, bite size, I mean. Yeah. yeah, and you can't really <laughs> get mad at it either. It's just you're in its environment, mm-hmm. right? So, but it just taught me to have, like, a healthy respect for sharks and also not to be completely scared of them, you know. If, yeah, it's, it's kind of like always keeping eye contact on those kind of key. Yeah. Especially with, like, tigers. And um, I had an encounter once with a bull shark uh, out surfing. There were several friends, and that was on Holiday Owl. Uh, in July, and this is probably 2012 ish, and um, clear day, waves are you know waist to chest high. I was out with five, six other buddies, so I was sitting in the water. I was the furthest to the left, and uh, I'd seen this shadow coming coming from the east. And I was like, "Hey guys," so I was like, "I'm pretty sure that's not a that's not a dolphin coming our way right there." And they're like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Right there." So this thing beeline straight to me about. Estimated seven, eight foot bull shark. Um, but it came straight up to me and I pulled my legs and arms up on or my yeah, legs and arms up on my board. And I mean, it was close enough to where I could have pet it. And I was making eye contact with it and it was looking up at me. And I was looking at it in the eye, just going, Whoa, <laughs> just like this <just> cool, <laughs> just like, Whoa, whoa. And then a couple of buddies were freaking out, like, Oh my God. Uh. Yeah. Um, Which is the last thing you wanted. Right. Do. And so it kind of, Turned away, and once it turned away, um, we didn't have far to go to get to the inside, and which was like waist deep water. So we just scratched in real quick, and then it kind of cruised by. But yeah, it was um, that was that was a sketchy encounter. Yeah, the pucker yeah. factor was there. Yeah, definitely. Like, what's this, and is it edible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you okay? So you uh, did the podcast mm-hmm. right, and then also we're doing college. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, with the podcast, I was doing that, uh, started that in college and then, um, and 
and then after or after college, uh, continued doing that to around 2000, 2010 or 11. And then I broke away to do my own thing, which was called Live Like Destin, which was basically the same thing, but I was taking my own journey um, from the guy I was working with. And um, that was about living life to the fullest on our area beaches. And so what happened with that was I started creating a lifestyle brand using the art form of Gyutaku, which is fish prints, um, fish rubbings. How did you get into that? So I had learned about that from art history classes. And so I was like, oh, well, this is cool. I could use this to do my first run of merchandise for the lifestyle brand using local fish I catch or whatever, friend's fish. And um, showed my mother what I was doing, and she was like, <laughs> she hates when I say this because it's like slang in British, but she's like, screw the bloody T-shirts, do more of this. And basically got obsessed with it, had canvas everywhere, and just painting every fish I could get my hands on. And then um, a friend, uh, you know, that does artwork as well, was like, hey, have you ever thought about selling your work? And I was like, no, just no, I've never thought about it. Well, the, the Seafood Festival's got a uh, locals corner this year. It's only like a $200 entry fee and just um, go get an application, submit some photos. Um, yeah, you should, you should apply. I was like, okay. So I did, got in, and uh, that was kind of like the fire motivation. Like, okay, now I got to like finish these canvases and the stuff I've been working on and start creating stuff to to show and to do this. And so when I did the um, the seafood festival, um, that was kind of where the art thing took off. Just um, where's response. Where's, did it blow up at the seafood festival where people were like, Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. People loved it. Um, a lot of friends were very supportive friends that came out, um, and, um, had bought artwork. Um, and then just the, the exposure from that. Cause at the same time, the day before that, when is when I got my first paycheck for a painting, which was from Karen Bilger. Um, and at the time she was uh, waiting or serving tables at Harbor docks and Tina Harbuck from the Destin log was there and she was just documenting the fish from the Lady M fishing trip. Um, and then she saw what I was doing and did a story right then and there. And then Karen, because I'd painted and printed a scamp. And then she was like, how much for this? And I was like, uh, 200 bucks. So she wrote me a check right away. And I remember her handing me the check. And it was just like this feeling. I mean, I just, I will never forget it. It was just like, like, I don't know, just something within me was just like, this is awesome, getting paid for art, doing this. And then it was just like, man, I want to do this every day. Yeah. Well, it's, I think that feeling of <clears throat> getting paid for doing what you love to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's almost like I, like you, I wouldn't even want to get paid for this. I just love doing it. Yeah. But then when it's, you, you see like people actually, um, I guess, appreciate what you're doing and they they want some of that you know they want a piece of that art that has to be like an awesome feeling to be like dude i can make a living off of doing what i love which is few and far between Mm -hmm. right um i think that's that's the goal in life is to try and do some do what you love and then make some income to be able to live comfortably Mm -hmm. um at least for me that's that's the goal in life I, i realize there's like you talked to you talked about uh people you know working up in wall street and they're they're in the rat race and they're just like it sucks their soul even though they're making millions of dollars mm-hmm. and but at the end of the day and i've met some of those people you know i train them and 
they come down here and for some shooting courses and the big thing I get from them is like, yeah, I have, I have a private jet. I have the money, but they're all seem to be missing something. They're like, there's something I'm missing. And it's like, because, and to me, and from my perspective, it's because you're not doing what you actually love to do, mm-hmm. you know? And I think if you get stuck in that position for a certain period of time, then yeah, you, you feel empty inside a little bit. So I think there's like a few elements like with what you do in life and its ripple effect. You know, uh, there's this book, it's called Ikigai. Mm-hmm. So it's based on, it kind of focuses on Okinawa and about living uh, the Japanese secret to living the longest life. And so it, it compares to different, um, or focuses on the people in Okinawa and what they do for a live or how they live and their lifestyles, their um eating habits, things like that, uh, with people that have lived a hundred or more. And then it goes to other areas, which are blue zones, which Okinawa is a blue zone and other blue zones and how those people are living as well. Then it gives comparisons like, oh, well, this lady smoked a pack of cigarettes, you know, smoked every day. But then how did she live to a hundred? What did she do different? And there's different things. And one of the, one of the big things with, um, with the, the Ikigai or, um, with the longevity is community. Community is a mm-hmm. big one. And when you're doing something that you love, you know, there's a community with that and connecting with people. And, um, and then uh, that's, that's such a huge um, important thing. And, um, and also what, whenever you're doing something that you love, there's that ripple effect around you. It's like, it sounds cliche or whatever, but there's like the little photo of the match that's lit and all the matches around it and how it takes just one match to, light up the whole box. Yeah. And so doing what you love in that passion, it also inspires others to, you know, empowers them to also do the same. Like, man, like he's transformed, evolved into this, you know, and, and then you, you know, people are admiring that you've, what you've, the leap of faith and the steps that you've taken to pursue what, what is you love or what you want to do. And then, they're inspired and yeah. they're like, man, like, what am I doing? Okay, I'm going to go, uh, you know what? I'm going to be a florist or a gardener and start growing organic, you know, um, which is what I've always wanted to do. And, and they're going to go pursue their thing. And and that in itself, though, just has, when it comes down to, like, the collective with humans and, you know, when you think about someone that's going into work miserable or driving in a left lane, tailgating just all angst and discord and ah and then versus someone that's going to work loving what they do during the left right lane cruising windows down drinking coffee (laughs) watching the guy over here freaking out like man gosh it doesn't have to be like that (laughs) yeah the rat race yeah right yeah but then yeah if you have a job like that where you're going into work in a negative mindset and you're don't want to, you know, don't want to be there, but you have to, I think, I mean, that spreads as well, just as much as positivity spreads, right? It's, if you're doing that, then you're taking that home. And, you know, if you have a family and kids, guess who's feeling that as well, the family and kids. And then they're sort of raised in that environment, like, oh, well, this is, and I think that sets the example too, where if your kids see you doing stuff, you know, making a living, but you're, and not in a, good mindset or in a good headspace 
they're going to think, well, that's just the way life it like, that's what I have to do is right. get a job that I really don't want, but just to pr- provide for my family. And that's what life's about, which really it's not. So you're, you're setting that, ex- that example or that standard for your family, um, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, um, from one of the, from, I guess the whole art journey and how that's kind of a happened in like an accident way, I'd say, mm-hmm. because I didn't expect it. And then it just, you know, kind of came to fruition. I was like, Oh, you know, like I've always loved arts. My mother went to art school. She went to the Royal Academy in central London. And so I grew up around art, always loved it, appreciated friends that are artists. And I'd go to their shows and um, support them and love going to my parents would take me to galleries and art festivals. So but I, I loved it. I just always appreciated it, took naturally to it um, early on. And it was something that was like, I, I never dreamed of being an artist. But then sometimes the things in life uh, that are meant for you are right underneath your nose. And yeah. people go chasing horizons for what's not meant for them when it's just right there. Something that you've always loved, that you've been around or enjoyed. And... um and I remember when I was in high school, uh, like the guidance counselor was like, oh, you know, artists don't really make money. So I was thinking about, you know, what was going to be, what was that, what is it I loved or that I was passionate about? And the environment was one. So my first major in college was environmental sciences. Then that went to meteorology because of surfing. I was very um, just paying attention to the weather because surfing revolves around the weather. And so I was knowledgeable with that, and I was like, oh, I love the weather, and my life revolves around that. So, And then I went to, um, well, what, how can I be creative and then have a, a broad spectrum where I can work in something that I want to work, or something that, like, say, if I want to work in the surf industry, or if I want to work, I can be a, basically limitless, which, um, you know, I was comfortable with public speaking and writing and got my PR degree, so or that's, I ended up getting a PR degree. So um, that's all kind of worked out because from the PR marketing degree, uh, that kind of transferred into the art and being able to, you know, how to market myself and all that. Yeah. Um, But um, yeah, just, um, I was going to say, going to my train of thought there, but um, yeah, that's, you know, first going into college and everything, it's, um, yeah, with, um, oh, gosh, I'm having a little moment here, but, oh, um, it happens, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, with going in school and college and all that stuff, there was, I went into things that I was originally chose that I was passionate about that I enjoyed and, and ultimately those things propelled you to propelled where me to where I am. And also I utilize those education, that education, those experiences, uh, to be where I'm at now. So it's, um, and there was also, there was those moments where I could have gone off, you know, different paths and different things. So, yeah, but you end up, you listen to your gut or your, your instincts and you're like, this is, I'm sticking to this path. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, sounds like you use your your college experience, everything you learned in there to sort of, like we talked about, propel you forward into exactly what you you wanted to do. Right. Um, it's funny, like, you when you just talked about, you know, talking to your counselor and she's like, well, artists don't make money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what 
is the also the big driving factor is like it's money like in order to be successful you have to make money and you mm-hmm. have to make lots of it and i think that mindset is is not right i mean yes will you be happy with lots of money sure for a short period of time or maybe i don't know i don't i can't i can't say cuz i don't have lots and lots of yeah. money but from what i've seen it's like having a lot of money and buying nice things those only last for a short amount of time until you're like, now I have to make more money to buy more nice things to keep myself happy, right? To get those dopamine hits of like, now I have another new car and now I have this where if you were able to find something like what you're doing mm-hmm. and it's like, I no, I don't make a butt ton of money. I make enough to live comfortably. And, but my mindset though, you can't put a price on that. You, there's no amount of money that, can give you like the fulfillment and happiness of doing what you love to do with waking up every morning being like, you know what? I can't wait to go do X, Y, and Z today. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, I know growing up, it's like being, you're, you're sold like a bill of goods where it's like, you know, in order to be successful, you have to go to college, do this. Do you have to hit these wickets? Otherwise, what we were told is you're going to be serving fries at McDonald's and you're going to be miserable, which is a complete farce. Right. I mean, and it's all in your own, what it's in your own mind, Mm -hmm. right? You're the one who controls how happy you are, how successful you are, not all these external factors or all these people telling you, this is what it takes to be happier. This is what it takes to be successful. It's like, that's on you. You can control that. Right. Right. Um, and that's what it sounds like you did, you know, for a very early age. Yeah. Cause, uh, the other thing too, I, I guess, um, when it comes to, I, I, I guess as a, a person, how they're wired and stuff like that, like I always grew up, I grew up very, um, just go getter. So I never relied on my friends to go, like if I was going fishing, I was going fishing. And I remember my mother, like <laughs> when I was in high before I could drive, wanting to go surf and, um. I'm like, Mom, can you take me to the beach? The waves are super good. Yeah, you know, I've got things to do. Well, I'm going to get my bike, and I'm just going to ride to the beach. This is by Herbert Field. I was willing to ride my bike all the way to the beach. I would have done it. I even bought a bike rack for my bike for that <laughs> when yeah. I got one. And, uh, you know, because my mom didn't want me riding out that far. And But at that, at that time frame, also, it wasn't a big deal to ride that far on a bike or whatever. And that's just... Yeah. Or as kids, we'd skateboard all over the neighborhood, be up at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, listen to Metallica, and no one cared. <laughs> yeah. We weren't, you know, causing, you know. No, you were uh, just being kids. Yeah, just having a good time. But that's how I was just always wired that way, is just uh, go get it, just show up. And and that's kind of what's been the recipe for where I'm at now, is like just show up with, with no expectations. Just show up, do whatever it is. Um, you know, and, and it's just, uh, just don't have any expectations to how things turn out, how they play out. And you put forth that intention and that effort, then things happen by doing that. But you have to show up. You have to show up. That's the the first step. Nothing happens. Yeah. Got to show up for yourself. Number one, you know, because if you're not showing up for yourself in life and all that, then that translates to, you're attracting with people 
that's per, you know relationships, friendships, you know opportunities, whatever. So it's um yeah, it's the biggest thing is just to show up. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I I sort of had the same mindset. I was sounds like we were very similar because um, when you know when I was in high school, I had no direction. I was you know young punk, punk kid doing doing whatever. <laughs> I wanted to do, uh, very stubborn. Um, you know, my, I had the best parents, um, that would try and guide me Mm -hmm. and, you know, they would tell me, you know, you have to go to college. Like you, and I wasn't, you know, I didn't do good in school, um, mainly on purpose because I was like, I don't care about homework. I don't care about any of this stuff. Um, it doesn't interest me, but if, you know, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't the brightest, but I wasn't the dumbest either. Like Mm -hmm. if I put forth the effort, I, like, yes, I can ace this test if I study, but I just was like, this is all worthless to me. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I graduated, I was like, dude, I, I know I can be something better. And, you know, I grew up around the military my whole life. Uh, my dad was in the military until uh, I was a, fr- I think a freshman in high school. Um, and that was just the, I think I, I was driven towards that, um, we had this conversation earlier before we started the podcast, like what drives us? Is it, you know, is it to do certain things in life? And mm-hmm. is it, uh, you know, set on a, a cellular level is because of what your, you know, ancestors did or, you know, what your parents did, um, or are you making those decisions on your own? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think due to my family history and, just being raised in the military, I was driven to go into the military and that's exactly, it ended up being exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have got out after five years if I wanted to, but I really, I loved it. I thrived in it. Um, and I, I'm blessed for it. I got to do, uh, you know, 20 years of, you don't grow up. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much a kid running around with guns in the backyards playing, except now it's just for real. It's, but I was fulfilled doing that job. Um, so I think that's, you know, sort of like the same mindset you had. Actually, I was going to say, actually growing up, um, I guess kid, dreams as a kid, the first uh, I origi- or first growing up, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. So I played baseball through middle school, through high school, but then had to realize, like, I don't love baseball. So I'd rather go surfing and play baseball. And one of the things was I remember my coach, he still coached because he loved the game. And I love baseball. You know, it's fun. Had a good time, but I love the ocean. I yeah. wanted to be in the ocean. And um, but one of the other dreams I had was like, all right, well, if I don't make it as a pro baseball player, then I'm gonna it's uh, either college or I want to be a Navy SEAL. And that's a true story. Yeah, yeah. Because my dad was <laughs> in special ops or with the Air Force, but with the 20th, uh, the Pavlos. Okay. And um, but I was always growing up. I was always uh, watching Chuck Norris and oh yeah, dude, you the, know, the Navy SEAL movie, Navy SEALs, and so I was the documentary. Yeah, and I've, yeah. I, I don't know. I've always just um, when it comes to that the um, warrior warrior mentality, uh, heart of a warrior, and especially like Scott and I were talking about this. How I've always kind of gravitated towards that those kind of people, and and it's uh, one of the things he's like, yeah, man. He's like, well. Not everyone, not everyone that's in the, you don't have to be, you know, uh, in the service or uh, say a SEAL or seventh group guy to have the heart of a warrior. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, it's just, you're, 
you can still have the same mindset, the yeah. same drive as somebody who served, but apply that to your life, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in other in other ways, and you still have that same warrior mindset or you know whatever name you want to give it. Um, like pretty much a driven go getter, um, but live your life in a very warrior like way, right? Um, right? And that's, I mean, that's what guys have to figure out after they get out is I think a lot of guys end up getting out and they, then they're like, Oh, well, now that that's over, what now, you know, mm-hmm. like, how do I, it's like, no, you can still live the same, same way you've been living, except now take that onto a new venture. Right. Mm-hmm. But still take those same characteristics that you use to be in the military or just, you know, be in special operations or whatever you did. them. it doesn't even have to be special operations. It's whatever you did in the military you can take all those characteristics that helped you serve and then use those to go forward on a new venture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guarantee you it'll work out the exact same way if you apply those same disciplines that you use to be um, whatever occupation you had in the military. Yeah, because that was um, when Scott, Scott and I were talking, that was something he was talking about with, um, I guess, uh, like your identity and like identity with humans you know, is such a big thing as in like, who am I? Yeah. What am I? And, um, and your why, like, what's your why in life? And, you know, and with, and with life with a journey, that's not, you know, I think with like timelines, like, oh, in your thirties, or you got to have this and that and all that. And, um, I think people forget or don't have the perspective that really, you know, there's these constructs or things that are in play that we're supposed to live by or rules we're supposed to play by or supposed to be at this expectation of a, a certain life or what's a legacy that we're creating. Well, what society tells you, right? right? And ultimately it's, you know, it boils down to what are you doing? How does it affect people? Is it, is it harming people? Is it lifting others up? Is it good for the collective of humans? Does it serve God? Does it have a purpose? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, how does that, it's just, how, how does that uh, ripple on the grand scheme of things? And people have things that, you know, they change or have, figure out what they're doing at like 50. I think, was it Morgan Freeman or there's other actors or people that have come in to, to doing what they're doing later on in life. And so you just never know how things are going to work out. But then that always boils back down to the truth. You know, it's like the the sooner you walk in your truth and that, whether that's like your core values, um, what you're passionate about, what you love, what you believe in, and ultimately that leads you to those people, that community, but then also fulfillment and being just waking up every day going, all right, like I don't want to be sleeping because I'm too excited to be living in my my physical life. Yes. I love it. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, when you have a positive outlook on life and a, and a positive mindset, you're doing what you love. It is, it's, it is easy to get up early in the morning and mm-hmm. attack the day and be like, these are the things I'm going to accomplish today and I'm looking forward to them. Right. Um, and I, you know, and I, I can speak on that too, because I've, I've been in head spaces where I've had a negative mindset where, mm-hmm. you know, I've gone through trials and tribulations and in, in my life and where I've, it's like you wake up and you're like, dude, what am I doing? You know, like <laughs> what direction? I think a lot of people 
end up going through that at some point mm-hmm. in their life, right? Especially if you're transitioning from a job or, you know, whatever the circumstances are. But at the end of the day, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, um, yes, life is not fair. And sometimes it throws you curveballs, but you have to, like you said, at the end of the day, find, I guess, your truth. And like, what am I put on this earth for? And it should be to help others, to serve others in some capacity, right? And there's a lot of fulfillment with helping and serving others. Because mm-hmm. there's, when you go and help somebody or do something good for them or, um, you know, whether that's giving your time or supporting a certain cause or something like that or just pulling over to help someone fix a flat tire, that feels good. Yeah. And it feels good to help people. And, and to you know, it's kind of one of those things like to take, you know, it doesn't, isn't, Give, there's more there's more there's more of a, a fulfillment feeling than with giving <coughs> and rather than receiving yes and um in gratitude has been i think one of the biggest biggest things like you're saying where you wake up or your maybe life throws you a curveball and those curveballs and being grateful for the each of those curveballs yes. are what determines how that outcome come after afterwards when you get through that because it's not, why is this happening? How is it happening? Like, this is happening for me. And be grateful for those little bumps because they're in some shape or form. You're experiencing what you're experiencing for because you're supposed to. You're there at that moment because you're supposed to be. You're evolving. Right. Yeah. And being grateful for those moments of curveballs, which are always growth. Um, you know, when you look back at that and you're experiencing like, man, you know, like, Oh, this kind of sucks right now, but you know what? I know another side of this and where it's going. It's it's building me and growing me because I need to go through this right now and experience this because it's it's taking me to where what is going to be my highest self or that goal of however you envision yourself to be the best person. And I think that's something maybe people don't or maybe not don't have their focus on or their sights on. It's like. What, what makes me the best person, you know, that is not only for myself, my family, from friends, for strangers, for just humanity? What, what do I do and how, what is it that makes me just an awesome, great person? And what am I doing that is contradicting that or in the way of me achieving or becoming that, that person, which is, you know, and ultimately like being a, what makes a great person? What is that? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a job title. It's no core values, how you treat people, integrity, honesty. The example you set. Ex- exactly. And and doing that every day and how you wake up and, you know, there's there's always people watching. There's always people observing. Always. And you just never know that one little single bit or that person that sees that of how you opened a door and helped an old lady or just whatever little act of service that you did um, that might've just been normal, just like, Oh, whatever. But then you don't realize like around how that's ultimately changing or helping others or just, just making the world better. Yeah. Causing that ripple effect. Right. Right. Of positivity. And I think it's funny. Yeah. If you, do you have kids? No kids yet. I want kids. All right. Well, <laughs> you heard it, ladies. He's here. Uh, yeah, I'll say I'm single, not married, <laughs> never been married, not married. And, yeah, I, I, that's 
and that's where I'm at in life. It's like I'm like rising up to that best version of myself. Like I'm striving to be that, and I'm, and there's there's work, and there's I'm a, always trying to be in a, a constant state of awareness of myself. As in, like, okay, you got to work on this. You be more disciplined with this. This isn't aligning with what you want and who you are. Um, and another thing too, I guess, I guess the dating world these days is crazy and. Um, oh, I'm sure. I don't. I guess like I'm a an intense, passionate person. So if I meet a chick I connect with, it's like, oh, you know. In the past, I've always been all in. Where now, I've evolved to where, you know, I not only with the depth of myself and how I'm as a person and, and what is meaningful to me, which is connection and be able to talk about, have conversations like this and connect with somebody. Um, you know, it's not about like, oh man, she's hot and blonde and looks like a, you know, whatever. It's more of, you know, I want, you know, I want a best friend. Someone I can connect with, we align on the same things in life, uh, want the same things and want to have the same impact. It's like, just as you have your purpose, I have mine. And I'm here to encourage and, and support and, you and empower you and, and have that reciprocated. And, um, you know, it seems like with you and Andrea, you, you guys have that, which yeah, yeah it looks, um, you know, I mean, I've you know, it's like, oh man, they look like a super couple. <laughs> we're definitely, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, she's, that's awesome. yeah, like there's no words to describe like what we have. And half the time when I, I, I you know, I'll, I'll dwell on it and, and think I'm like, dude, I don't want to, it's like, I, it's so perfect. I don't want to like jinx it and be like, oh, you know, this, what we have is, you know, the most, it, but it is, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, and I thank God every day for, um, but yeah, I mean, that's. That is what you want to find is someone that's your best friend, that's your teammate, um, that is there for you at the best and also at the worst that is going to support you no matter what. Um, and you know, it's, it has to be reciprocal, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a give and take in relationships. It's, and you have to have the ability to change yourself as well. Sometimes, you know, right. I think a lot of, guys are like you know oh well chicks are always trying to change you into what they want and it's like there is some truth to that mm -hmm. but at the same time maybe think about what they're trying to change in you right and and it also goes the other way too sometimes you're like hey you, there's some things that you could help your spouse in changing the way she does things and you have to be able to both see that in a positive light and be like okay i will work on these things and then you also should be able to be like no i'm not changing myself on this because this is what makes me who i am right and then the other spouse has to sort of be like accept that and be like okay well i accept you regardless and love you regardless right mm -hmm. um and it's hard work you know marriage is hard work but you both have to be able to um be willing to put in that hard work and you know i that's i mean we're we're gonna be married 17 years wow, awesome. this uh this this year and yeah, it's uh, each day. It's I'm like, dude, thank God I have her. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's and I was going to bring up kids before, um, just because we were talking about, you know, re reflecting on who you, who you are as an individual and like, am I doing the right things? Am I? Kids will show you that in a heartbeat mm -hmm. because you want to talk about someone who's always watching and imitating, and they are literally imitating everything you do from the moment that they can actually see who you are you know, and they're observing you. And then when you can see like little traits in your kids, you're like, Ooh. what the, where did you <laughs> learn that? And then they're like, 
looking at you like this is what you do, you know? And sometimes it's, it's a good thing to take note of that and be like, okay, I need to change mm-hmm. the way I do things because I don't want my kids being like this. Right. Um, or picking up that trait. Right. So you're constantly trying to evolve and make yourself better um, as a parent and as a human being. So you're raising good human beings. I was going to say there's a something I well, a few different like sources I watch with, um, I guess when it comes to sort of like spirit, not really so much spiritual guidance, but sort of because um, we kind of talked a little bit about manifesting and stuff like that and how you're saying like how your, your kids reflect but also a lot of like how, how people live, there's another reflection as well. Because, for example, if someone's, um, I guess this is kind of going into another, a, a different little route here, but um, for example, if someone's, um, you know, just in angst and always, and always kind of has, or just not focusing on like the good and, you know, they're like, oh, you know, things are always happening to me, you know, the victim mindset and, um, you know, in a lot of your physical world and how you live all is mirrored or reflected on how you are on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's something that's like, you know, just, uh, with the, like awareness and be able to go through and think about like, you know, why am I feeling this way? And, um, taking the time, taking the time for yourself to, um, to really sort, I guess not, I, kind of like self-evaluation as you'd say, but, um, keeping, having a consciousness and awarenessness of where you're, where you, where you are. And then also how your life, where it's at and where it's going and being aware of like, okay, um, this keeps happening to me. What am I doing and how am I, why does this keep happening to me? What am I doing to cause this? Right. Right. I like, I, you know, we, we brought up earlier the, the manifest manifesting or whatever. I'm not a big, I, I don't believe in manifestation. Okay. I think there's, there is a mindset that you can have, like, this is what I want to do mm-hmm. and I'm going to work hard to get towards that goal. Um, but at the same time, sometimes what you want to do and no matter what, if you work hard towards it, it's not going to work out. So yeah. you have to, you have to realize that. And then I'm a believer. So I believe in God. So I, at the end of the day, it's, it's his plan, mm-hmm. right? Not yours. And right. I think that's what people have a heart, especially, you know, and for non-believers, you know, and they're like, like, Oh, why does this keep happening to me? Or how come I'm not getting what I want? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, because God has different plans for you and they're probably way bigger than what you think. Right. Mm-hmm. And he'll change the course of your life at a, drop of a dime be like yep now i'm throwing this problem mix into your life um but if you have faith in him and be like okay this happened now i'm going to change the course and do do whatever you know have faith in him and then i'm going to change my course and have faith that it's going to work out like Mm -hmm. still keep that positive mindset and yeah it's a struggle um just like life's not fair and uh You know, I have my favorite saying is, you know, this pain will serve you well someday. Like anything that you are going through, yes, is no matter how much it sucks, as long as you s- sit there and struggle through it and get through it, um, you will be served 
10 times more on the other end. Mm -hmm. Because as we talked about, those struggles in life help you evolve as a person. But that's on your own mindset. Mm -hmm. Like you could go into those struggles and have a victim mindset. And why does this keep happening to me? This is not fair. Then yeah, all right, you're going to be stuck there. Right. But if you, for me, if you have faith in God and be like, okay, you've put this in front of me, I'm going to navigate my way through this. Mm -hmm. And I have faith that I will be rewarded tenfold on the other other side. And not only that, you're able to help others who are struggling as well. Like, hey, this is how I got through this. And this is where I'm at now. Like, this is not the end. This yeah. is just a problem mm-hmm. that you're going through. Um, that's why I have a hard time. I mean, and I do think there is something to, and I'm, I'm not like, you know, completely crapping on manifestation. Yeah. I just think that, it's you can have a uh, pot like a manifest mindset, I guess, where yes, I want to be you know what an artist or I want to be a Navy SEAL, and like you start working towards that. Mm-hmm. But I think people just have to realize that if those plans don't work out, that's not the end, right? Right? You, you're just being diverted to something bigger and better a lot of the times, yeah. Because with the, the manifest uh, manifestation stuff, um. Because something like I do on a regular basis, um, every day, um, it's more, it's, and, I, and it's, it's, I guess it's more of, obviously, things that are not meant for you are not going to work out. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you keep pursuing something, the door keeps shutting, yeah. it's not meant for you. Maybe not at that time, maybe later on. Um, and I try to live in a state where I, where I don't have expectations of things. I let them be, and I'm a man of faith myself. And so, like I was telling Scott, it's like every morning when I get up, you know, I'm saying thank you yep. for being here, my health, for my parents, for my friends, people that love me, the people that I love, um, that I get to do what I get to do, my health, and just um, just everything. And, and then when it comes to, I guess, goals, aspirations, or things that, um, things that I'd like to have, for example... Um, I do lots of words of affirmations. So like with belief systems and things like that, um, for example, I guess if you come from a home of, say, if you grew up in maybe poverty or just uh, low income, um, you know, that's how you grew up in the hood or something. And then, um, the, the reality of say, I don't know, being very wealthy or having a lot of money might, there might be a belief system there because that's not something that, not an environment that you grew up from. Yeah. And you may be conditioned to believe that you're not deserving of that, which no, we're all deserving of having abundance and living, you know, you're allowed to go have a beach house if you want. It's free will. You got to work hard. And, <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, the, well, that's the key the way to earn it, but it's not out of your reach. You, you can do that. It's, it's there. It's there for everyone. And um, so I, I guess it, it's kind of those things on sort of what, what you desire and what you want in life. And I've, I guess, had things at times in certain moments where um, it's kind of weird. I guess, like, I'll, you know, like, pray for things. But then, like, I'll be talking or talking, like, talking to my mother about a painting or something. And at that time, like, I needed some money. And then within a snap of a finger, someone's messaging me like, oh, is that available? Yeah. Oh, I got a buyer. It's sold. What? No way. You know, and, and things just happen. And that's the thing, like, 
that I've uh, that I've learned through experience with, I guess, kind of uh, surrendering, as you'd say. Yeah. Because with the artwork and the art career, um, like I feel like how it, I've been led to do that, and that's that's been my thing to do. However, it's supposed to serve, but I do I do that because it serves God, and um, and however it's however it goes, it's all been left to them or left to Him. As that's in, right. Like, hey, you know, you give up control. This is it. I'm painting. You know, yeah, I'd I'd love to wake up on the beach, listen to the waves. That's always been a dream. So, however that happens, if that happens for me, awesome. I'll be beyond grateful to have that experience. Also, too, on an incredible, amazing woman. That's just, you know, this is my idea and the, the traits and everything of her that I want. Um. So I think kind of with like the manifestation stuff is. It's kind of one of those things where you get in life with, like, you got to know what you want, yeah. you know? So, like, if, if you don't know what you want when it comes to a partner, then how are you going to be able to identify it when it comes up or when she shows up? So it's kind of, I guess, kind of one of those things where, you know, if you see a, if I asked you, hey, Eddie, when's the last time you saw a red Bronco drive down the road? Like, I don't know. But then now you're going to pay attention yeah. to it and you're going to probably seeing, see three of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I think there's a, because the whole manifestation things, you know, with uh, being a Christian and there's a bit of it, it's kind of dark. I guess it can be taken as that, but also taken away from, maybe it's taken away from, you know, that it's, God has a plan for you. Yeah. So it's, it kind of, there's a little bit of it where you're kind of maybe trying to take control. That I think that's yeah. the issue I have with it. And it's, because I do believe in a positive mindset and you can like, this is what I want to do, yeah. and I'm going to keep a positive mindset, work hard. And, you know, I've heard, you know, people say, like, and, you know, I watch UFC and all that, and, like, yeah. these fighters, some of them are like, I manifested this. I manifested this happening. And I'm always like, uh, did you? Yeah. Or did you have some help along the way? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you you put in the work for it, and you, you wanted this, but at the end of the day, if you are – saying, I did this, and I used to have that mindset a long time ago. Um, You know, everything, all the work that I put into, you know, becoming a Navy SEAL and going through all that, um, the training and, you know, getting beat down and whatever, like putting yourself through that uh, gauntlet to to get to where I'm at, where I was, I would say those things to my wife. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I did that. I earned where I'm at. I, you know, blah, 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 blah. When in reality, it's like, no, yes, you, you're the vessel that, that completed those tasks, but God was there. This is part of your journey and he allowed it to happen. Right. Yeah. He, he gave you the air in your lungs, the determination, the, whatever you needed to get through that. God provided that for you to start you on your journey. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, if you're sitting there being like, I did all these things myself. I, I don't think that's the right mindset. Um, and I think that will lead to, um, in the future, like if you keep that mindset, like I, I, I did all these things, you're, you're going to have a hard road at, at eventually because there are life throws things at you where it's like, well, now what are you going to do? Cause you, you literally can't do this on your own. Right. So I've, I've had experiences, <laughs> Through life, where um, you know, we keep kind of repeating the same thing, 
expecting different outcomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, I've had or a, a friend, business coach, mentor, a guy named Bob Conrad. And um, it's one of the things he said is like, you know, you got to obey, you know. But also, too, is, you know, you have the free will. You have the will to where you can go and live this way. But you can also kind of live in, you know, if you go and do acts of crime or things that are obviously not good for the soul, then, you know, that's, those are choices that you, that you let into. But you can also live in a way that is where it's serving God. That's why God gave us free will. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then blessings and life, you know, and it's, and it's also the belief Belief and faith that knowing, like, whatever's happening and how it goes, like, it, God's got your back. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's, once, I mean, once you realize that, that God has your back no matter what, that is how, at least for me, that's how I keep a positive mindset, mm-hmm. right? Because no matter what is thrown at us or my family, it's like, well, I know we're going to get through this because God loves us and he will He will get us through this. Yeah. You know, um, no matter how bad the struggle is, and that's how you keep a positive mindset and not a not a victim mentality, mm-hmm. which I think is the victim mindset and the victim mentality has been rampant and it's been spread throughout our society. It's almost to now where who can be the biggest victim mm-hmm. gets the most spoils, you know. Um, and I I see it seeping into our our kids, right? Just the mindsets that they have, um, you know, because I'm now raised three i got one in high school the other the other two are pretty much out of the house yeah but i've seen that where they it's like this well this happened to me and this you know they they come up with these excuses and stories to make themselves the victim to where it's like they don't take accountability for anything that they Mm -hmm. did and i think that's what society wants you know is well not society but certain parts of society want that like oh no no no! you're not accountable for anything that you do like it's not your fault like let us take care of you right that's that's pretty much what the government wants yeah and we can go on a i don't want to go down (laughs) go on a rabbit hole on that but i think that you know that needs to be fought against Mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm glad that there's individuals like you out there you know in this area that are spreading that message um and there's plenty, I have plenty of other friends uh, who are also spreading that message where it's like, no, dude, you're, you're not the victim. You should never be the victim. Mm-hmm. You should always be pushing forward. There are circumstances where, yes, you are the victim, like if it's of a, of a crime or something like that. Yes, you were a victim of a crime, mm-hmm. but that does not mean that you should have a victim mentality. Like you need to learn how to get over that and – once you do get over that and push forward, then you can use that to help others who are victims of that same crime or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, I'm just using those as, you know, examples, but, yeah. um, no, it's awesome. I mean, and I saw recently, uh, well, not recently when, when I saw you in a 30A, was it the, the magazine? Oh, the Emerald Coast magazine. Yes. Yeah. 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 How long ago was that? Oh, that was exactly a year ago. A year ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny, like, um, when we're talking about how, like, if you leave, like, a situation or you make a change in your life that is, like, in alignment for 
who you are or the path that's meant for you and how things will just all of a sudden come together and happen. And, uh, um, and at that time frame, right before, before all that, I'd left a relationship and, um, I'm not going to go too much into that, but basically it was a, a very, very hard thing, a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and the decision I made, I knew it was, uh, for my own alignment and my own truth. And I was like, you know, this is, this is hard, but ultimately I know it's the right thing. And, um, and it was like right after that, it's like, I got like, Oh, by the way, you're gonna be on the magazine cover. And then there was all these invitations and things. And it was almost just kind of like, Hey, letting you know, don't be so down. Don't be bummed because you're, you're back on path. You're back, back on track. And it's kind of letting you know, <laughs> it's going to be okay. Yeah. You're okay. And we're letting you know it's okay. No, that's awesome. Yeah. When I saw you, I saw that cover. I think I, I forget where I was when I, or maybe it was at home. Like my wife gets it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, Oh dude, that's awesome that you're on there. I mean, that was, I was thrilled, man. It's, uh, there's some of the experiences I've had, man. I'm just, it's like, I mean, I, I'll tear up and let, you know, get emotional about it just because it's so, it's just, um, I don't expect any of it. And I'm just painting, I'm just painting. And, and the biggest, the biggest reward of anything is just that it makes people happy. Um, and it's that kind of gift thing where I create something that's kind of someone else's life, you know, experiences that's sentimental to them. And so to be a part of that whole transaction of life, as you'd say, experience and to be able to capture something that's, um, that creates that whole energy of just happiness and, um, family community and just, uh, all the different elements of it that, um, that experience, man, it's just, yeah, like, oh my gosh, man, this is cool. I don't, you're blessed. Yeah. Yes. And I don't, I don't worry about, you know, I've gone from where I was comfortable making money to not having any money and then just knowing like, oh, it's all going to be all right. And it, and it is, and I, cause it's just, you know, it's like, it's, I'm doing this and, and aware and, and knowing that, you know, I've been, I guess, however things happen, it wasn't a mistake at all. And however creating and painting, um, it makes, it has its own little ripple effect or whatever. And I'm just, man, I just, I love every second of it, dude. Heck yeah. Well, it shows, man. I mean, I've seen your paintings and stuff around town as well. Uh, and then also on your uh, Instagram page and which we'll, we'll put the link to that uh, with the podcast so people can check out your work, but your work is like extraordinary. It's awesome. Thanks, uh, it's beautiful. You know, um, like I said, the first time I saw you do it, uh, when we came back with that Marlin and just mm-hmm. watch you go to work, like right there on the dock. And it's cool. Like, you know, everybody gathers around, they know who you are. Um, I think, yeah, you, you've got a blessed life, man, it seems like. And you, you can tell just by being around you, like, mm-hmm. just the positive mindset that you have. And I ran into you a couple of times, especially at uh, Del Sol, Burrito Del Sol. Best, uh, best burritos in Destin, oh, dude. Yeah. I love that place, man. But, yeah. I've known those guys um, from high school. So they surf Brooks and Evans. And uh, so we all surf. So it, they're great, great dudes. And, um that's kind of one of the cool things about the community is that, you know, like with your kids growing up here and they, and how a lot of them don't want to leave. And that just kind of is a sign of like the communities, how it is now is going to continue to stay how it is. Yes. Yeah. Early on, they're already valuing 
their connections and friendships and where they live and which is good to know because it's like all right well eventually when i have a kid <laughs> yeah or even you know just uh staying and living here and you can kind of see where you know just uh I th- this place has always just been like that so well, since you, you know the owners tell them uh to build a uh, burrito del sol down this way I've, i think i talked to them one day when i was yeah. in there i was like dude you guys need to open one up down by Santa Rosa Beach, man, because, it, you know, I make the drive. I mm-hmm. Those burritos, I mean, coming from California, where we, we lived for like 16 years in San Diego, it's hard to top Yeah, bre- breakfast burritos out there. Diego. and oh. Burrito del Sol is the closest I found to it here, man. And I'll, I'll drive the 35 minutes out of the way to go down there and, and grab one. But I'm like, hey, guys, let's uh, let's try and open it up in Santa Rosa. So I'm going to make this trip. Um, but they were like, uh, I don't know, but we'll see. That's awesome. Put in a, put in a good word. <laughs> so, <laughs> but hey, man, we got requests out east. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, brother. Dude, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a great conversation. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll have you back on later on in the future, dude. Man, that'd be awesome. And uh, yeah, honored to be your guest. And, um, man, just um, thank you. Thank you, brother. You're welcome. Out.